Welcome. So excited to connect uh, around the word of God this morning. So excited that you're here and also excited for all those who will be joining in with us uh, throughout the week uh, by way of YouTube. And just to note, uh, if, you're, if you miss a week, I know uh, with sports and summer coming up, there's lots of trips and things like that planned. Please always know you can connect throughout the week. Uh, typically, each Monday by noon, uh, the message is uploaded. And so you can go and, and, and catch up or share it, all that good stuff. Uh, simply the Becoming Church uh, on YouTube, and really all social media for that matter. So maybe if you miss something, uh, you can connect with us at the, uh, the Becoming Church on all social media platforms. Well, last week, we kicked off um, a new collection uh, called Come and See. And we started it in uh, John 1, where uh, Philip goes to Nathaniel, and he's like, yo, I think we found the one uh, that Moses and the prophets have been talking about. And um, he's Jesus of Nazareth. And, and um, Nathaniel's like, Nazareth, what good can come out of there? And Philip just simply says, come and see. And so where we landed last week was, you know, let's, let's live that way. Like, hey, we don't have everything figured out. We don't have all the answers. We don't have the solutions. We actually have questions ourselves. But come and see, because maybe for some of you in the room, some of you in the room, you've experienced Jesus. You know that there's something that different um, that he's, he's made, or there's a difference that he's made in your life. But yet I still got questions, but look, I, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I once lived uh, with no direction. Now I have purpose. And so look, just come and see where I discover that. And we can answer the questions along the way. And so uh, I'm excited to continue in this conversation uh, today, and we're going to do so from Luke 10, uh, verses 25 through uh, 37. And uh, I say conversation, we, we can make this a monologue, a dialogue, and so if you hear something, you can say, amen, that's good, right? Or even if you hear something and it's good, but you don't feel like it's for you, you can say, like, yo, girl, that's for you. You need to pay attention. Did you write that down? I can say, yo, my boy, I need you to take note right there because we was just talking. Like, so talk back is basically what I'm saying. Not because I need it, but they say according to research, uh, you retain it better. And really with that anyway, like, man, this is just like a little appetizer, man. We got to be people of the word, you know, every single uh, day, finding time to get in the word of God, um, to grow and to mature into that person um, that God is calling us to be. Amen. So Luke 10. And uh, let's see, you can, if you don't have a copy of God's word, it'll be up here on the screen. But it says this, on one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, what is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? I love that. Jesus is like, you an expert, you tell me. <laughs> and he answered, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus is like, you've answered correctly. Like, why did you ask me? So just do this, and you will live. But now the lawyer wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, who was my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. 
He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Verse 35, the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you today. God, we thank you for who you are. God, we thank you that you're holy, Lord, that you're consistent. God, that you don't change, Lord. God, we thank you for your word, Lord, that does not change, Lord. We thank you for your word that accomplishes everything that it was sent out to do. And so, Lord, this morning, as we gather around your word, God, we pray, Lord, that you give us insight. Lord, we pray that you give us revelation, Lord. I pray that, God, that we have eyes to see and ears to hear exactly what it is that you want to speak to us and and what you want to show us, Lord. And, God, I pray, Lord, I thank you. God, for your spirit, Lord, to empower me to communicate your word. God, working in me and through me, Lord, so that your people can hear what you want to say. God, we love you. We honor you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. 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 Family, was it a big deal uh, for you growing up trying to figure out exactly what it is you want it to be? And, and some of you may be like, yo, I'm, I'm still growing up or I'm grown up, but I'm still figuring out. So it's, it's an open-ended question. But for me, it was a thing. Like I had all kind of ideas of what I wanted to be. And I can go on and on about those, but I, want, I won't. Uh, but one of the things I remember in particular that I wanted to be, I wanted to be a lawyer. I just, that's what I wanted to be. And I don't know exactly uh, what it was that made me feel this way. I don't know if it was because of, um, you know, watching it on TV, they drive the fancy cars. And I had a, I had a thing for cars, and so maybe it was that. Or, or maybe they lived in, you know, these big uh, major cities. Maybe that was awesome. Or, or maybe it was uh, the, the, the Skyrise condos that on TV they would portray a lawyer um, living in. Maybe it was those things. I don't really know what it is, which, by the way, my... I, a lot of the shows that I watch, I used to watch, I've got three kids, so we don't have time for that anymore. Um, but one of my favorite shows is a show called Suits, right? And I used to live vicariously through Suits. Some of you may know it. The good stuff, not the bad stuff, all right? So I, I don't, you know, oh, he said go watch. I didn't say, you know, <laughs> don't email the church. Don't do it. <laughs> but I don't know. I just wanted to be a lawyer. And I remember uh, one day I was having a discussion uh, with my mother. We're going to call it a discussion, right? No, no, no. It was a discussion. <laughs> we were having a discussion. In the in this spirited discussion, um, did you catch that? <laughs> in this spirited discussion, I remember her, I guess I had literally something to say to everything she was saying. Now, if my wife was in here, she would say, amen, like that is true. But I guess I had a, a rebuttal to everything that she was saying in this discussion. So finally, she just goes, you know what? Boy, you know something when they just take, call you by that? <laughs> like she's like, you should have been a lawyer. 
the way you are always looking for a loophole. And it's very true. I think I can can catch myself today. I can catch myself like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and be quiet. (laughs) Some of you that know me like, no, you don't. (laughs) But let me pose this question. How many of us find ourselves looking for a loophole? How often do those of us that follow the way of Jesus, we find ourselves looking for a loophole when it comes to living out the love of Jesus to the world? How often do we find ourselves viewing it as someone else's responsibility? We say things like, well, well, we'll, we'll do that. We expect for someone else to love them. We expect for someone else to pray for them. And we even convince ourselves, well, I can't do that because, well, that's, that's not my personality. That's not how I'm wired. Several years ago, uh, there was this campaign that wanted Christians or even non-Christians for that matter uh, to think more like Jesus. I mean, I'm all for campaigns like that. And they created these bracelets, some of you might remember this, that had WWJD stitched on them. Yeah, if you're Generation Z in here right now, you're like, what are you talking about? I don't, is that some, like, shorthand language for text that I'm not aware of? Like, you know, but it was short for what would Jesus do? And the idea was that no matter the situation, that before responding, you would pause and ask yourself, what would Jesus do in this moment? So when you're driving in traffic and they not only cut you off, but then slam on the brakes. What would you do in this moment? Yeah, come on. <laughs> when the coworker tries to play you in front of everybody else in the meeting, <clears throat> does opposite of what y'all just talked about, what would you do in this moment? When your kids been hanging around the wrong people, and they tried to talk to you like you found out how they talked to the friends, talk to them. You're like, hold on. What would Jesus spare the rod, spoil the child? <laughs> but here's the reality, family. We already know what Jesus did. 2 Corinthians 5.21 lets us in on that. It says, it basically says, for the one that knew no sin became sin so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He became so that you and I could become. What was lost, what was broken, he restored that so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So no longer the question is what would Jesus do? But instead, it's what will I do? What will I do to see the kingdom of God advance? What will I do to see someone encounter the love of Jesus? What will I do to be like uh, Philip to Nathaniel to say, come and see? Because listen, Jesus said, it is finished. To tell us that it is done. And so now the baton has been placed in our hands. And it's on us to to carry this mission forward. That's why he says, go into the world and make new disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and Holy Spirit. And to teach them to obey all the commands in which he has taught us. So the question, family, it's no longer what would Jesus do, but instead it's what Well, I do. And let me tell you, here's what we can't do. We can't find ourselves looking for a loophole. 
We can't find ourselves looking for a way out. If we're going to be followers of the way of Jesus, then that means that we're going to do what Jesus has commanded us to do. Otherwise, we have fallen in love with an idea. We've fallen in love with a concept. But this is much more than an idea. This is much more than a concept. But this is about bringing heaven to earth and saying, look, there is a way that we can live now for how we will live later. But it begins with us being willing to respond to what Jesus has called us to. And so we can't find ourselves looking for a loophole, which is the title of today's conversation. If you're taking notes, you can write that down, looking for a loophole. And so the time is drawing near for Jesus to be crucified. And so he's making preparation for that. And so he sends out people ahead of him, messengers or uh, 72 disciples. You know, oftentimes uh, we think of the 12, but there was much more uh, than the 12 that followed Jesus. And so he sends out the 72 and he sends them out into different villages to proclaim who he is before he gets to Jerusalem. And so the 72, they come back and it's it's been crazy. Like they've experienced a lot of great things. A lot of signs and wonders are happening. And so they come back with this excitement because they're like, yo, we've seen the miraculous take place. Uh, They're telling Jesus about the demons that they cast out. And so uh, it's a hype moment. Even so, Jesus gets excited himself according to Luke 10, 21. But in the middle of all of that, this lawyer stands up and asks Jesus a question. And that's where we're going to start tracking this morning. In Luke 10, 25, he says, uh, this expert in the law, he stands up to test Jesus. He says, teacher, he asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, when it says expert in the law, it's not talking about an expert in the law in the sense of someone arguing a case on behalf of his client before a judge and jury. But it's talking about an expert in the law in terms of the Mosaic law, uh, the first five books of the Hebrew Bible. So he's an expert in the law in that regard. So he more than likely would have known it literally um, word for word, like by heart. So like... Some of you, like with Genesis, uh, what does it, where does it start with? That was a joke. You can laugh right there. <laughs> but this guy, he would have known everything of the first five books of the Bible by heart. But he says, Jesus says, I love this. He's like, well, you're the expert in the law. What is written in it? You tell me. How do you read it? And so then he says, the lawyer says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I want to I pause right there. Let's look at the first part of his response in uh, verse 27, where he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. What he just referenced uh, was his prayer uh, that everyone, every Jew uh, in, or around in that moment would have known uh, or recognized what he just said. It was called the Shema, and it was a twice-a-day prayer which was morning and evening that they prayed, and it was a way of expressing their devotion to God. That Shema, the word means, it means to hear or listen and obey. And so really the the, the power in that word is that there's no separation between hearing or listening and obey. And so Shema means I'm going to hear and I'm going to obey. You know, that's, that's different than us, right? We hear, but we may not always obey. And so this is saying, no, this prayer was built around hearing and obedience. But every single day, they would have done this 
twice a day in expressing their devotion to God. This was a way uh, to listen to God and to spend time with God to know his voice. Family, I think we've got to get back to that place. We've got to get to the place of spending time with God so that we can know his voice. You know, oftentimes, man, we're asking people, and this is great, we should do this. We're asking people to partner with us in prayer. We're saying, can you pray? I need, I need a word from the Lord. I need to hear what the Lord is speaking. But the Lord has already given us access. One, first, by way of his word. You know, oftentimes people will go like from event to event, from conference to conference, from person to person, looking forward, but yet never getting in his word. Do you hear me? But the word of God, anything that anyone could ever say to you, it always has to be backed up with the word of God. And so if it's not in here, it's not him, but it's them, right? So we must be found in the word of God. So you don't have to search for a word when you can simply get in his word. And also, the, the, the more time we spend with him, now we're conditioned to know what the voice of the Lord is. Because we spent time, it's like, um, I don't know, maybe uh, your mom or dad or someone who that you're close with. It could be a thousand people in a space and, and you hear a voice and you can recognize that voice and pick that voice up right now. That wherever Zoe is, our daughter in this space right now, I can hear her cry and I know her voice because we spent time together. We must spend time with the Lord. And oftentimes our lives become so busy that we don't have time to spend time with the Lord. But can I tell you, family, we have to make time. It has to be a priority. I believe a lot of the issues and things that, that we deal with and that we face is because we are not spending time with our creator. How can we know how to approach today if we don't start the day with him? Lord, because he, here's the thing, right? We talked about this earlier. He's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, that he's in our past, present, and future. So he's already ahead of us. So why not pray to the one who's ahead of where we are? Like, God, lead me today. Direct me today. Even when you're picking out your clothes, well, what should I wear today? Even to that, that level of practicality, because who knows, maybe there's someone that you're supposed to connect with today that could be maybe the beginning of a prayer that you've been asking God for this opportunity for some job or whatever, and then you meet that person today, and because you asked the Lord, what should I wear today? I mean, you're ready to be able to connect with what God has brought to you in that moment. Are you tracking with me today? The point is this, we must find ourselves spending time with him. Because the world is so loud, but yet with so little to say. While the word of God is this quiet, still voice, but yet it has so much to say if we will only slow down and listen. Because the truth is, family, our love for God should be seen in our devotion to God. And many of us, you know, we, we kind of want to, approach it with this one foot in, one foot out kind of approach. But God is saying, look, would you just go all in with me? Who cares what your family going to say? Who cares what your friends going to say? They just want to know you for who you used to be anyway. But I want to see who you can become. The truth is God doesn't want some of us, but he wants all of us. Now looking at the second part of verse 27, it says, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, one thing that we seem to have selective amnesia about is the end of that scripture where it says, love your neighbor as yourself. 
Maybe we forget this is because it's outside of the scope of what we feel up to doing. Ooh, you saying love my neighbor. So we get like that lawyer, define, define neighbor then. <laughs> I mean, because the people to the left and right, I'm, I'm cool, you know. Upstairs, apartment below, like we good. But see, family, loving your neighbor, it requires you to look beyond your own feelings and to consider someone else's. How can we look beyond our feelings? How can we look beyond our needs and consider someone else? How can we think of someone else? This is what it means to love your neighbor. And oftentimes we say things like, you know, we remove neighbor and, and we think of like sinner or drug addict or drunk or whatever. No, he's saying love your neighbor, right? We've put these categories of people together when Jesus has never done that. The one that you're thinking is the worst of the worst, he's saying that's your neighbor. You need to love them because after all, like we need to, oftentimes we read the Bible as if like we're the good person in the story. When we're, when, when we're the Pharisee, we're the Sadducee, that's who we are. So how you normally read the Bible? No, make yourself as the one that's getting ready to stone the lady, right? Like you, you put yourself in that place and realize, the reason being, realize that you've encountered the same love and same grace that the Lord is leading us to display to others. And so Jesus tells him, he's like, okay, so you've answered correctly, do this, and you will live. Now, this guy's an expert of the law, so he's like, hold on, dude, gonna try to play me in front of all these people we just met today. And he's gonna try to play me? I'm an expert. So then he, he's like, well, then who is my neighbor? He was trying to get technical with it. And so the Lord, he's trying to be technical because this, he knew this type of thinking could cause him to love someone that wasn't like him, which will force him out of what feels comfortable. And let's be honest, some of us, we respond the same way. But family, God doesn't call us to what makes us comfortable. He calls us to what makes a difference. That's what it's about. He doesn't care about how comfortable this is or isn't. He's like, no, I've called you to do this because it's going to make a difference in people's life. If we're going to love our neighbor, we have to ignore how we feel and, to, and consider someone else. So Jesus, knowing this about uh, this expert in the law, knowing how he is thinking, he begins to tell this story. Now, oftentimes people call this a parable, but the Bible doesn't, doesn't say that necessarily, right? So there is some who believe that this is an actual story that happened. And so there's this idea that Jesus is telling the story to Jews, and they are well aware of this real account that happened. And so he tells us, he says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. Now, this road was a known road where robbers would often, like, just hide out looking for somebody to rob. And so this man, he's traveling on this road, and he gets robbed. He gets beaten. He's left for half dead. But how fortunate for him that this situation is about to turn around for him because here comes a priest. Here comes a Christian. Here comes a believer. So for sure, everything is about to change, right? 
Like, you got to understand the job of a priest. A priest led people in worship, conducted sacrifices for atonement. He taught them the word of God. So if anyone is going to be merciful and loving and willing to help the weak, it's going to be this priest. It's going to be this Christian. It's going to be this believer. But, but what, what happens? He, he passes by on the other side. The priest decides to keep his distance and walk on by. And could it be that the priest was so consumed that his needs, of his needs, that he completely rejected the needs of this person? Because as a priest, he couldn't get close to this guy. He's beaten up. He's bloody. So he would be ceremonially unclean and unable to perform his duties if he got close to, his, to this man. So was he thinking of his needs to the point that he rejected the needs of this person. But family, that's not how it's supposed to be. Philippians 2.4, it says, Let each of you not, only, not look only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. This is what it tells us. The moment we ignore the needs of others is the moment we forget the message of the cross, which is hope. Jesus didn't look to his own knees. Understand what he went through, it wasn't easy. He was whipped, he was beaten, he was humiliated. He did that all for you and I today. He didn't consider himself. Philippians talks about how he took the position of a servant. Understand, he said, look, I will step down to become like man, to bring man back to God. He didn't look out for his own interests or his own needs. So we must do the same thing because the moment we don't do that, we're forgetting what the cross points to. The cross points to hope that how it is, it doesn't have to always be this way. You may be down and out, but you don't have to stay there because of what the person of Jesus has done. And we get to be an extension of him to the world, but that's only possible when we are willing to look past our needs and look to the needs of others. And so perhaps this guy's fortune is about to turn around because here comes the Levite. And so as a Levite, he's from the tribe of Levi, the priestly tribe. So he could have been a temple worker or maybe like, a, like an intern or an assistant in the temple. So clearly, he's going to be able to show uh, what, what the priest should have done. He's going to be able to actually do that, right? Verse 32, it says what? So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. Family, I think we're seeing something that's becoming too much of a trend. And that's Christians saying what we will do, but not doing what we should do. But can we be honest? We got to understand this. The world is looking at us, right? Whether we like that or not. And especially the further we get away. So you got to understand, the, the, this cultural moment, we're, we're in this post-Christian society. And so we are the minorities. We're no longer, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're no longer the, the majority here uh, in the world. And it's been that way for quite some time. And so the world, they're looking at us. So every time something happens in our nation, in, in the world, culture is looking to see what will the Christians do. What will we do with how we've been commissioned? And, and unfortunately, what we're saying, what we're seeing are Christians 
pointing all these fingers about what's wrong with you, what you should have done, what you need to do, instead of spreading the message of Jesus. This is what we've been commissioned to. Why do we expect someone to behave in a way in, in a message that they've never encountered? But the moment we tell people all of what's wrong with them, instead of the one who they can encounter, how else can there ever be life transformation? We look to Jesus as our example. He did not say to Zacchaeus, like, yo, you tax collector robbing from your own people, what is wrong with you? You know what he did? He went and he had a meal. He just went to go be with him, and out of that, everything changed. So in all the issues that our world faced, that our nation faces, what if we just was Jesus to people? What if we were just the hands and feet of Jesus to people? Maybe we would see change. Luke 10 talks about how the harvest is plentiful, but laborers are few. Why? Why are laborers few? Because labor is tough. Labor is difficult. It requires responsibility. And many of us, family, just like the priest and just like the Levite, we shy away from responsibility. We, we want we, we want to be like, Lord, I want to express you to the world in this way. Like we, we, we want the, the, the platform or we want the stage, we want the gift, we, we want the talent, we want the ability, but we shy away from the responsibility. But it can't be that way. We can't say yes to the gift and no to the responsibility. Why? Because it's in only being responsible that we can see revival. And you hear that word revival and you're like, yo, Another conversation, another mention of revival. But get the picture of this big thing out of, your, out of your head right now. But think about this. Think about revival starting in your home. Because as it starts in your home or it starts with you, right, and, and maybe to your spouse and maybe to your kids, it leaves your home and it, it heads to a coworker. Then it happens in that coworker and then they go home. And then what that coworker has brought home they, it's hit their spouse, it's hit their kids, and so then you get where I'm going. In that house, now they go to someone. Oh, you see what's happening? Revival isn't this big, grand old thing. That's the end game, but that's not how it starts, family. Revival starts with you. Revival starts with me, but that's only when we're willing to step up and take responsibility. So who took respons- responsibility? Who was responsible? Verse 33, it says, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. Some translations say he had compassion on him. Now, this is significant to note because, again, Jesus is having this conversation with Jews. And Jews had nothing to do with Samaritans, nothing at all. Because they considered Samaritans uh, as half-breeds. They had intermarried with non-Jews, Jews who had intermarried with non-Jews and created Samaritans. And so they had nothing to do with them because they did not uh, upheld, uphold the law. So they would have been like spazzing out at this. Like, I know he ain't about to say this dude is about to be the hero in this story. But what did the Samaritan do? He didn't judge. How many times as Christians we see people are hurting and our response is we judge them. You got yourself down there, so that's what you deserve. 
I mean, can we be honest on a Sunday morning? You did that to yourself, and now you want me to help you? I don't know. I gave you three times, and that's it. What if Jesus took the response that we give to others? What if he had that with us? Where would we be? But this guy, he didn't judge. He didn't complain. He just simply had compassion. He wasn't looking for a loophole, but he was looking to meet a need, which is much like Jesus, that when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And here's what compassion does. It's not just this thing that you're like, oh, man, that's so sad. Hey, what y'all want to eat? That's not it at all. But compassion, it moves you into action. It may be small, it may be big, but you, you, you take steps to make a difference. The Samaritan did that, that he went to him. He bandaged up his wounds. He poured on oil and wine. And he, brought, he, he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And then the next day, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper, said, look after him. And when I return, I will reimburse you with any extra expense you may have. And as I close with this, as followers of the way of Jesus, we have to step up and take action. We have to be people who are willing to be responsible to see a difference made in our different spheres of influence. So here's the question. What will we do with our time? How will we spend it? How will we use it? Of all the things that we try to gain, you know what we can't gain? We can't gain time. All right? Once you spend it, it's gone. Tomorrow's gone. You can't, you can't get back to it. But how do you use the time that you have? And maybe you feel like, man, I've wasted so much time. Can I tell you that Jesus can redeem the time you have left? He can allow you to do more in the time you have left than any time that you feel like you've wasted before. But you've got to answer that question, what will I do with time? What will you do with your talent, the giftings, the things that God has placed in you? It's better use your hands, your mind. What would you do with your talent to make a difference for the kingdom of God in someone else's life? And what would you do with your treasure to say, Lord, how, how in this way can I make a difference? So Jesus, he goes on to ask the question, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And you can see the stubbornness in the expert in his response. He just said the one who had mercy on him. He couldn't even say the Samaritan. Even in all of this, he just said the one who had mercy on him. So Jesus said, go and do likewise. So this morning, the question that we asked up front was, what will I do? What will we do to see the hurting healed? What will we do to see the lost found? What will we do to see the hopeless encounter hope? What will we do to help us answer that this morning? Let's go back to verse 34. It says, he went to him. He bandaged up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. So the first thing we can do, run towards the pain. 
he went to him. When the priest and Levite had the same chance, they chose not to take it. But the Samaritan run towards, he ran towards the pain. Can we be people that run towards the pain? Can we be people who run towards those that we see are hurting? Can we just not look at it and see it as someone else's responsibility? Because can I tell you, Jesus didn't do that with us. He ran towards it. In fact, he took it on. He didn't look for a way out. He said, Lord, this is your will, so let's do it. He was willing to do it. Can we be people that run towards the pain to see people that are hurting, who are lost, who are confused, and say, listen, just come and see, and let me introduce you to the person of Jesus. The second thing that he did, can we be an agent of healing? So he bandaged the man up poured on oil and wine. Now, oil and wine were used in medicine to heal wounds. But we can be agents of change, of healing, by the words that we speak. It is the word of God that makes a difference. Psalm 107 and 20 says, he sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. When you see them hurting, when you see them down, Don't say, well, yeah, I mean, you should be here. Look at what you did. You knew robbers were on this road. Why would you take this road? But instead, can we speak life to people? Man, that he's called you to be above and not beneath. He calls you to be the head and not the tail. That he wants to bring freedom in your life. He wants to bring healing in your life. Think about if the words that we spoke, words have power. That it was with words that God framed this world. What if we spoke his very words to people to be agents of healing? And then lastly, can we point people to Jesus? He brought the man to an end where he could rest and be taken care of. Can we bring people to the only place that they can find true rest? That's it. We take people, oh, people go everywhere. They try to find it in relationship. They try to find it in careers. They try to find it in drugs and alcohol and all these different places. But family, rest is only found in Jesus. Because it's when you rest in the Lord that you can be strengthened to be the person that he's called you to be. He says the burdens the way everything that you've been carrying, you don't have to. If you would give this to me, you can find true rest. Can we take people, can we point people to Jesus where they can find rest for their soul, where they can encounter the who the writer of Hebrews calls the anchor of your soul? You may feel like you're sinking, but God is wanting to hold you up. Can we do that? Can we be people that point people to Jesus? Would you pray with me today?